Business Women Rock, episode 33. Ladies, it's time to rock. Welcome to the Business Women Rock podcast, where we get down and dirty with the world's most incredible business women. Inspire your journey by listening to theirs. And now, here's your host, Katie Kremitzos. What's up, ladies? Welcome to the Business Women Rock podcast. Thank you so much for being here. If this is your very first time listening, welcome to the community. And if you are listening yet again, thank you so much for being here and being a part of this awesome community. I absolutely love it. Okay, so my promise to you is always that I will bring you really amazing business stories. And today is such a great example of that. My interview is with Lauren Tobin. Now, Lauren is a very successful professional in the eye care industry, and her story really begins with her getting into her husband's company that was in the same industry and um, and really helping turn that company around. And I'm not going to ruin the story for you, but basically, I mean, everything happened after that. I mean, she went through some major low lows and has come out totally shining on the other side. And there are so many business nitty-gritty lessons in her story, as well as beautiful, you know, attitude, how she chooses to look at the world type of lesson. So she's very on fire. It was such a great conversation, and I'm really looking forward to you listening and letting me know what you think. So um, turn up your volume. The interview starts now. Lauren, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm really, really excited to utilize this opportunity to share your story with everyone because you and I were able to connect via a conversation that you had initially had with my husband, and he was so blown away by your story and the business experience that you've had that he automatically was nudging me going, you've got to talk to this girl. She's got to be on your show. And when you and I had a brief conversation yesterday learning about your story was incredible. And I knew that the Business Women Rock community would really learn a lot from it because this is really a story of kind of going through massive, massive dip, a massive sort of business and personal tragedy. And everything that you did to come out on the other end and really learn from that whole experience. And that's really what this whole platform is all about, about being able to share those behind the scenes stories and you were very clear with me from the get-go you were like I'm not a business owner but here's what I've done and I just want to make sure to set the record straight that this podcast is really not just to highlight business owners but business women like women who are just very passionate about business who are savvy about business and who have a really great business story to tell and that is definitely you so Lauren I want to start off with if you could really talk to us about sort of the beginning of your story and how that led into kind of the entire like main event of the story that you're going to be talking about. Okay, that, that's a good place to start. So um, I've been in the eye industry for 25 years. And what I mean by that is the EYE industry, calling on ophthalmologists and optometrists. And I started my career back in 1989 in Connecticut. I was a surgical rep for an ophthalmic company. And I would go into the OR and, and help doctors learn how to use my products. It's where I met my husband, and he was calling on the same kind of customer, 
but in the office setting. So he was selling diagnostic equipment for a new company, new diagno- uh, diagnostic equipment. And But he went off on his own and started his own company selling pre-owned ophthalmic equipment. And that's at the same time, that's where we started dating and we eventually got married. I moved down to Tampa and I was able to work for the same company. They had an opening down here as well, coincidentally, and it was great. So I continued to work for a while. And then when I had my son, I decided to take a couple of years off. I would help him in the business with the trade shows because I knew the customers like he did. But for the most part, I was staying at home. And when my son was about two years old, my husband's company was growing at a very fast pace. He was a great salesman, but he was a lousy businessman and he really overextended himself. And so when my son was about two, he filed chapter 11 and basically begged me to come back into the company to help him. He was like, you know, I don't know what to do and I really need the help. Please come back into the company. Now, were you, just to clarify, so you were sort of staying at home with your son at that point. You had, although you had been in the industry and maybe you were helping out here and there, but you were still at home and he was asking you to come back into his business full time. Yes, that's exactly right. Not not completely full-time, but enough to help because he was so overwhelmed. I mean, he went from a very small space to a 36,000-square-foot office slash warehouse. He had 60 employees, and he was just way overextended, and that's why he got himself into trouble, and he just he didn't know what to do. Got it. Got so it. anyway, so anyway, so I so – I, Basically, I had never were, uh, um, I had never ran a company before. I had no idea what I was going to do. I mean, I was in sales just like he was, but I rolled up my sleeves, and it was his company slash our company, and it was our livelihood. And so, I jumped in and I started going line by line on our expenses, and I, t- I just took a look at everything, and I completely downsized us. I got us into an eight thousand square foot space. I cut half the staff. And I really got the company healthy. There was a lot of things that I did to get to that place. And we were in and out of bankruptcy in a record five months. Wow. Um, Holy cow. Okay, so let me step in there really quick because uh, that's not a small story, like getting from bankruptcy to being healthy and in the positive in five months. So can you give us some of of the things that you actually did? Like, yes, you were going over line item by line item, but what were you actually doing to really turn that ship? When I started going line by line, I looked at every expense that we had. So I started looking at the bills. And the very first thing I found was that we had two vendors that we were paying the same service for, a pretty big chunk of money per month. And I went back and I looked at the contracts, and it turned out that one of the uh, vendors that we had kind of supposedly switched to was supposed to notify the other vendor. It was clear in the contract so I went back and addressed that with the vendor, one of the vendors, and they ended up cutting us a check for $30,000. And that wow. was like the beginning of my, I really had made a big statement to my husband about that. And like, I could do no wrong after that. I mean, he just couldn't believe it. That was like the starting point. You know, you bring, and, up, a, you bring up a really good point because I think, uh, you know, from your husband's vantage point, as the owners of companies, like you get so busy and taking care of all these different moving parts of a business that you sort of assume that whatever you have agreed to with somebody is getting taken care of. So you, what you were really doing was coming in here and auditing and just making sure that everything was kind of on track the way it was supposed to be. And now, I mean, finding this huge source of revenue that 
was supposed to, or I guess these expenses that were not supposed to happen. And now you're really collecting on the mistake of that. That's very smart. And you know, it's very typical of a business owner. They get so passionate about what they're doing. It's the danger in the details. They just typically, they don't have someone that is watching every dime as if it's their own. And basically it was my own. So I looked at every expense, like I look at my household expenses. And it actually became very fun for me. Every month, I would start to see the changes that were made. As you can imagine, we're in this huge space. I downsized us from 36,000 square feet to 8,000. So our our uh, expenses on that declined instantly. And we cut half the staff. And then other things that I did was I took a look at what was profitable for us. And we had several salespeople and they were getting paid the same amount of money to sell things we didn't make a lot of money on versus really focusing them on selling the products that were very profitable for us. So I changed the comp plan to have them focus on things that were more profitable. One of the things that was huge for us was that we weren't, I mean, we, we sold all over the country and different parts of the world. And we weren't, forget the, the, the international part of it, but nationally, we were not charging shipping to ship product. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, I looked at my husband and I said, I pay for every everything that I order online, I pay shipping for. How is it possible that we're not charging shipping? So, like, and the salespeople were really kind of cringing because they didn't want to have to ask customers for shipping. I'm like, you guys, this is the, the world right now. Everybody pays shipping. So we're going to start charging shipping. You charge a certain percentage or you take a look at what the, it's going to be, you know, it's going to cost us to ship the product and pass it through to the customer. So all of a sudden we started generating income on that instead of losing money on the, you know, that line item. One of the other things that I did was that was really, really big for us was we ran our trucks up and down the East Coast and that was very costly as well. Gas was incredibly expensive and the cost of my driver staying overnight, etc. We contracted with Walmart. They have optical shops all along the East Coast and we started doing service for them. So we were generating income as we would move up and down the East Coast delivering our products. Oh my God, so that that's was so smart. <laughs> oh my, Lauren, I got to tell you, like just listening to all these things that you were doing and really digging in and looking at the business from analytical standpoint and all the systems and the processes that are going on and the people and the compensation plan, by the way, is awesome. I really love that point. You're reminding me of the profit. You're reminding me of Marcos Limones. Like that's what he does is he really comes into these companies and he says, okay, let's look at people, people profit and process and let's figure out what we can clean up, what we can add, what service, what way can we bring in revenue in a way that we're already spending time and energy doing it. I mean, that's that's a pretty amazing skill to have. You know, I have to tell you that I saw the profit for the first time a few months ago and I, I couldn't believe it. It was like, oh my God, I love this guy. He is totally my hero and he does what I did. Every time I watch the profit now, I, I see what he sees. So yeah, I, I'm certainly not a Marcus Limonis, but it was definitely that type of scenario. And, and again, it became almost fun for me to see things that I was putting in place really make a difference to the company financially. So, so, so it was great. What was the morale like at the company as these major turns were happening? Like, what was the morale of, of you know, the team members of your husband? Like, what was that energy like? Well, one of the things that like just comes to mind, it's kind of funny, keeping in mind that initially, when I had to let go of all those, I mean, half the staff, the people that stayed were really, really nervous. 
you know, they saw us downsizing. They, they saw me coming into the mix and they weren't really sure how to take me at first. And I was making a lot of decisions that at first might have been some very, very tough decisions. But then what we started getting into, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, is the kitchen. We had a huge warehouse. And we had no kitchen. And I, I heard a lot of rumblings from the staff and having a kitchen in a space and, and doing, you know, taking a little bit of money and putting it into something to have the employees have more nice to eat was like a huge thing for us. So it was like the first thing when we started making some money, it was the first thing I did. We created a kitchen. So that was like, and it wasn't a big kitchen. It wasn't very elaborate, but it really made a statement to the, the staff and then the next thing was, was probably the biggest was that we were starting to look at the end of the year at how much money we made with my managers and the fact that we were going to pay bonuses for the first time in the company's history. And I had the managers, I told them how much money that, you know, the chunk of money that I felt that we could afford. And I said, go around and take a look at your staff and you have this percentage to divide amongst your staff. And everybody got bonuses. And it was pretty, it, it was a major, major wow. thing. One of my drivers that had been with us for years and just worked so hard, I think we ended up giving him a $5,000 bonus and he came into me in tears. He was so excited. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, there was, there's some, there were some great changes. And then probably one of the biggest things again for our company was that one of the things that I did, because again, I wasn't, I had no idea how to run a company. And I really needed help. And I joined CEO Council, Tampa Bay CEO Council. So it was also a great resource for me to learn about what other people do. And someone within CEO Council had nominated us for the Small Business of the Year Award. And we went through that process, which I had to get all our staff into. And I mean, it, it, was, a, it was a wonderful learning experience for us. And we ended up out of 300 companies. We were, or I guess we were in the, the top 10 so we were we went from nominated and being in, in a group of 300 to the top 10. So we ended up being a runner-up. Wow. So people were really taking notice of what you were doing. I want to ask this question because this is sort of bearing on my mind. Are you willing to share a little bit about what that experience was like of having to really let go some of your staff? Because that's a gut-wrenching experience. But when you're actually looking at a business as a business model, like you really have to make some hard decisions. So can you can you tell us a little bit about what your experience was like having to let go of that staff? Maybe how you did it? Maybe any advice that you could give to somebody who actually does have to let go staff members? Well, the first time around was a lot less emotional than the second time. So I'll, I'll talk about the first time first, and then I need to get more into the story to talk about the second time. Because even as I talk about it now, the second time around, because I was so much more really ingrained into the company, it was very, it was much more difficult. The first time around, it was a matter of survival. I took a look at, I mean, we, we had a bankruptcy and, and the, we were in bankruptcy and the attorney that we met with basically said, you have a viable business here, but you have to cut costs or you're, or you're going to have to close shop. And so it was either I kept 30 jobs and cut 30 or 60 people were out of, of a job. So I just, I, I brought in an HR person. We, we actually leased our employees. We, they weren't directly working for us. We, we had an HR company. So they, they actually worked for the HR company. It was a great resource. So I could have someone with me when I did went through that process. But 
the first time around, it was very quick. They would come in. I would explain to them that we were going through the bankruptcy and I had to let them go. I, I tried to, you know, share with them that we would give them great references and what have you, but that, and, and I went through that very, very quickly. I'm going to get into the second part of the story now because at the end of that second part of the story is when I had to close shop and that was much more emotional for me. So I'm going to bring us back to getting us healthy and then what happened right around, I would say it was 2008. We had just renewed our line of credit, which by the way at the time was about $900,000 and the company was running really smoothly. But as I mentioned, my husband was not the greatest business person in the world. He was a great salesman. And because the company was so healthy, he really wanted to go and do the things that he wanted to do without worrying about the cost. And I always used to say he didn't have a risk assessment gene in his body. They used to call us the gas and the brake. And he would want to do something and people would come to me and be kind of nervous about it. And it created a lot of tension between my husband and I, as you can imagine. So in 2000, in the summer of 2008, we renewed the line of credit, which my name was now on, and which is a big deal. And we can talk about that a little later on. But And then I took my son out west for a little vacation in Utah. And while I was out there, my husband sent me an email that he was firing me from the company. What? Uh, my services would no longer be needed and that I would no longer be getting a paycheck. And a month later after that, he filed for divorce. Oh, my goodness. Did you have any clue that that was coming? Yes and no. I mean, we were not getting along. The company was running great, but we were not getting along because, again, he wanted to do what he wanted to do, and he didn't want to hear that he couldn't do certain things. And But I had, honestly, I signed on the letter of credit, and I thought that that, protected me from, I I never thought in a million years that he could actually fire me from the company, but he owned 51% and I owned 49 and it was in his rights to do that. Wow. So what happened after that? Well, imagine he had complete control of the company and he also had control of the line of credit and he started running the company into the ground. And at the same time, he was setting up another company to do the exact same thing because he wanted his other company to be separate from me. And so it kind of got, everything got ingrained and, you know, it was all mixed together, the divorce and the company. And as he was sending the company into the ground and I kept reaching out to the bank, I was getting the numbers. I I kept bringing it to their attention, what he was doing. And for whatever reason, they didn't do anything until February of the following year. Seven months after he fired me and started divorce proceedings, the bank called the line. And we had one month to basically make a decision. I could either make an election and buy him out, or he would just close the doors. And I didn't know really what that meant. I kept thinking about that line of credit. And at the time when I initially signed the letter of credit, I didn't have any of my own assets, so it wasn't any big deal. The banker would say to me, you know, what is his is yours anyway, so it doesn't really make a difference. Well, in that time frame, my dad passed away and left me a lot of money, and all of a sudden, all that money that he had left me was at risk. And so I made an election to buy my husband out of the company and try to make a go of it. The tricky part in that is that he had had the company for seven months and I only knew what was happening on paper. I had no idea what I was going to walk into. 
And in May, he handed over the keys to me. And I walked in there, and it was a shell of a company. There was very little inventory left. He had let go of most of the staff. Um, he even walked out with the checkbook. So when I walked in, there was no money. There, there was no nothing. Wow. I brought some of my key people back, one particular salesperson that I knew he'd be loyal to me, and he came back, and we started selling through whatever inventory was left. I was looking for a buyer for the company because we still were, we still have the infrastructure. We just didn't have any inventory. We were selling inventory we did have, I mean, very little, and every time we would deposit money into the bank, the bank would sweep the account because they were worried. They had $900,000 out there. And it was maxed out. And so eventually I ran out of money to pay the staff. And that was the worst day of my life. I, I didn't even, it would, didn't even occur to me that the bank would be able to take the money out. And one day I had $30,000. I was about to make payroll and they took the money out and I had to get everyone into the room. It was about, there was about 16 of us left. And I was in tears and I shared with them what had happened and that I said, I, the bank took all the money. I have no money to pay you all and I have to close the doors today. And it was awful. I mean, it was really awful. I, I, there is no advice that I could give anyone besides know that, you know, time is your friend and eventually you'll, you'll survive it. But it was really, really awful. And to this day, I still, some of my, People still reach out to, to get re referral letters, and I try to help people any way I can because it was just, it was very, very, very unfortunate. And I, uh, most unfortunate for me is that they looked at me, I know they looked at me and blamed me for it, even though Nelson tanked the company. Wow. That was my husband. So, so, so I closed shop, and that was, that was the end of the company. So I want to ask a couple of questions here, just as far as like your state, because during this time, not only were you going through trying to keep the business alive, which in and of itself takes a lot of emotional and physical energy, but you were also like in the throes of a really nasty divorce. So what, what was that like? Like, how did you keep your wits about you? How did you keep your attitude going? Like, how did you show up to, to work every day? <laughs> Stupid little things. I mean, the first go around with the divorce, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And the first few weeks were very, very difficult. I'm a runner and I couldn't run. I couldn't, I was just, I was so afraid of what was going to happen. I, I, I was afraid of what I knew was going to happen. I mean, I knew that the bank was going to come after me for my dad's money. I knew that that my ex would tank the, I knew everything that was about to happen. And that was the worst. And that was what was, you know, really scary. But I, I'm a very, I became a very spiritual person. I started going, I'm Jewish. I started going to synagogue on Friday nights. I started recognizing little niceties, people that were reaching out to me. I started, I had a little a, a dry erase board at my desk and every nice thing that would happen to me in a given day, I would write down all the little niceties that would happen. And of course, my son, who was absolutely amazing through this whole thing, he was 10 years old at the time. And one of the things that my ex and I were definitely both on the same page about was not to talk ugly about each other. And that for me was a blessing in disguise because it kept my son at a level pace. I mean, you, you would never know by my son that we were going through an ugly, ugly divorce. He, he was just unscathed. I mean, it really, I mean, initially it affected him because he knew that his father wasn't going to live with, with us anymore, but 
he was he was really solid and that really helped out a lot too. I didn't have to worry about him and he was, you know, the little joy of my life. So everything good in my life, I re- I tried really hard to focus and recognize. I know that sounds very cliche, but my little dry erase board, every day I'd write down all the little things that happened that were good and that really, really helped out. That's an awesome idea. I love that. Lauren, tell us about what happened afterwards. So you've just sort of brought us down with you to probably one of the <laughs> most lowest points in your life. What happened from there? How did you make the arch back up? It definitely was a roller coaster, that's for sure. And and it is there is a great ending. So I mean, I'm very proud of the journey, honestly. For me to jump in and, and run a company and and, sur- and then survive this, I, I really do feel very good about myself at this point in my life. But anyway, so we closed the company, we, we closed the doors, and because the divorce was so, it, there was there was so much about it because of the business was so ingrained in the divorce, um, it was very very time consuming. But I needed to find something and I had no income coming in and emotionally I needed to get out and away from this ugly monster of a divorce. And so I started reaching out. I mean, you know, I never said at the beginning when we started talking that one of my greatest skills is is a networker. That is what I am. That is what I do. People look at me and say, oh my God, she's a great networker. And that's what I started to do. I started to reach out to everybody I knew, letting them know that I was looking for something. And so one of the people that I had met through CEO Council was starting a business. And I reached out to him and he said, you know, let's have lunch. I have an idea. And we met and he, you know, as we started talking through what he was doing, it was clear that there wasn't anything for me at the time. But he said, you know, I, I said to him, you know, I really need something right now. And he said, you know, I live in a high rise and I'm the president of the board. And I, the uh, manager, the property manager that's on site is a disaster. And I'm getting ready to fire her. And I really need someone to get the books in order and to get us healthy, kind of clean us up, put some processes in place, and then find a replacement. And I looked at him and I said, I could do that. <laughs> and he goes, you know what? I know you can. So I was like, okay, I never ran a building, you know, all the all the different services and companies. And and so a week later, I started. He let her go. And, and I started a week later. And I worked for the Grandview High Rise on Harbor Island. It was perfect. It wasn't completely full time. So when my son came out of school, I was able to leave and go pick him up. And I went through and put some processes in place. And then I started after probably six months of working for them. I'm like, you know what? It really is time for me to leave and find something kind of real. And I started looking for my replacement. I hired someone. I trained them. And and then I had a friend of mine, my actually my boss, who and who had become one of my best friends in the eye industry, who had initially brought me into the eye industry back in 89, told me that they were starting a new company. And I would be perfect for it. I'd be repping three separate companies back in the eye industry. So back in, in kind of my my comfort zone. And so that's what I did. I went to work for them. And we were one of the three companies. It, the company actually ended up dissolving. But one of the three companies that I was representing absorbed the sales force. And that is what I'm doing today. I am selling eye vitamins for this one company for the last two years now. That's just mind blowing. I mean, the whole story, just like huge dip and then lots of roller coasters, ups and downs along the way and really just coming out to where you are now. After having the ability of hindsight vision, what do you think are some of your biggest lessons throughout this whole story? 
Well, not only for business women, but for women in general, the me signing the line of credit was probably the it was really what set things in motion for everything. Again, when I first thought about signing the line of credit, I did not know what that really meant. I had an idea, but I really didn't know for sure. And I know that there are a lot of people out there, a lot of women that end up, whether it be for their own company or because their husband's company is taking off and the bank requires the wife to sign. You may not own anything right now, but you just never know what can happen. And if I had known now, then what I know now, I would have made sure that my husband and I were 50-50 ownership of the company before I signed that line of credit. Mm. It would have been a game changer because he would never have been able to fire me. And I would have been able, we, I, don't, I mean, we still probably would have gotten divorced. But in regards to the company, we probably would have ended up selling it or one of us would have bought the other out at a time where the company was healthy and not as a shell. Sign on a line of credit, you are really guaranteeing that line of credit. And if it's maxed out, that's how much you are in debt for. And in our case, it was $900,000. And so the first, the very first lesson um, I don't sign anything anymore without reading it. And I need to understand what it means before I put my name on it. Because once you do, you're obligated. And I had one of the best attorneys in town. And there was no way of getting out of it. And I ended up having to cut the bank a check for $125,000. And it was, Ow. yeah, it was about, <laughs> it was about 25% of my inheritance. So yeah, and that was after tax dollars, if you can imagine. After all of this experience, you love your job right now. You're kicking butt. You're back in your element. What is your vision? Like, where are you going from here? What do you see for yourself? Well, I definitely think about it a lot because, you know, I'm selling iVitamins now. It's been fun. It's gotten me back into the industry. I, I have a great name in the industry. By the way, you know, never mentioned it before, but I went back to the industry under my maiden name because my ex is still in the industry too. And he just doesn't have a good name in the industry. And every time I was using my married name, people would ask me if I was related to him. So I went back to my maiden name. A good tip for people out there. But if something were to come up now in the first in the eye industry, if I would probably get excited again about some kind of new technology coming into the marketplace. If there was something new that I could bring to the doctors that I now know well and and trust me and I've been very successful in what I've been doing over the last two years. So people now trust me and again and I would probably be interested in doing something like that or and I underline or because I've been watching the profit weekly and I would love to do something like that on a more local basis. I mean, I've even considered, I, I still have some money left. I would invest in a company that maybe needs help as long as I was able to do what Marcus does, go in there, roll up my sleeves and, and get the company healthy and maybe own a piece or just help a company get healthy again because I really love doing it and I'm really good at it. So that's what I would want to do. I love that. 
Oh, Lauren, I really want to thank you so much for sharing your story with us here today. I, I was so excited to be able to bring it to our community because uh, for obvious reasons, I mean, there's just so many lessons to learn there. And thank you for going a little bit in depth with us on, on a couple of those questions that I had asked because I think it helps every single one of our listeners be able to deal with those situations because we've all really dealt with ups and downs and, and it really helps so much when you're really willing to share kind of how you dealt with all of that stuff. So I just, I really want to thank you so much for sharing your story. So many great lessons in that. And big congratulations to you. I mean, you are a fighter. You are definitely a fighter. So thank you so much again. And I just really appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a great day. Was your jaw dropping the entire time during this story too, like mine was? I was constantly in this stage of like, are you serious? Oh my goodness. Anyway, um, I hope that you were completely moved by that story and educated by that story as much as I was. Um, I really love that she was so willing to get into the um, really some of the the really grainy details and emotional, you know, details about what was really going on with her and how she was really able to deal with everything as well as the how she was able to actually turn the company around. Like what were those real realities? Like I really, truly appreciated how open she was about everything. Um, and, you know, it really drove the point home for me about how strong we really all are. And there are definitely moments, I'm sure that you feel them too, where we just don't feel so strong. Um, you know, we just feel like, oh my gosh, the world is crashing down on me and every little thing that could go wrong is going wrong. And it, we just really have to keep reminding ourselves that we are so much stronger than we even know. And Lauren's story just really um, reinforced that. So thank you so much for being here and listening to these stories. It means the world to me. You can get all of the show notes today at bizwomenrock.com forward slash 33. And if you really loved it, do me a favor and share on social media. Share with your girlfriends and uh, just let them know how rocking this community is, okay? Have a great one. I'll see you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.